Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and today we're doing BMW Championship Storylines, Best Bets and Matchups, and we are full four wide. We are going with everybody this week. Let's bring them in. Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg? Been a while since everybody's been here. I'm looking forward to today. Going to be a great time. Kyle Porter, also here. What up, KP? Not much. Ready to roll. Last two events of the season. And then I told my wife the other day, hey, season's in. And she goes, let me guess, the next one starts the week after. I was like, actually, it does this year. Yeah, she's, she's got it. Yeah, usually the, the long three-week break is yeah, now, yeah. Only, <laughs> now zero weeks. And Mark Immelman, who uh, I, I wouldn't say you're on vacation, Mark, but like you got a little more free time on your hands? Yeah, it's the first time in a long, long while that I'm actually not got a bed in my background for this, uh, for this podcast. So, <laughs> Jack to be back at home for a little while. I had a college golf practice this afternoon, which was a new thing for me, you know, after the last few weeks, but, but good. It's nice to be have a little normal, I guess. I love it. I love it. Well, we are driving the tour presented by Volvo and what's driving everything this week is the FedEx Cup standings. There is so much at stake as we narrow this field down from 70 to 30. And Greg, a little breaking news, hot off the presses here. Webb Simpson, he gone. He has opted uh, to take the week off and get himself prepared for Eastlake. Your thoughts? He entered the week third. Uh, so it's interesting that he's sacrificing a couple of shots. Remember, the yeah. uh, Tour Championship is going to be a staggered start again this year, just like last year. And you're going to basically start this tournament in a winner-take-all format uh, with a, a staggered start. The leader will start at 10 under. That will not be Webb Simpson. Uh, and, it, and it trickles down from there. So Webb saying, hey, I, I got to put four good rounds together at Eastlake. And uh, if, I'm, if I'm rested, that's worth more than you know, two, three shots, whatever he's going to end up losing. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I think that's the main point here. And, and with this condensed schedule, Kyle, we've seen guys play more golf in the restart than they probably want to, uh, trying to vie for a lot of these points. And Webb says, okay, maybe rest is more important than two shots at Eastlake. Yeah. It felt a little like a, uh, Hey, I'm going to, basically he's playing the Wyndham instead of the BMW, right? Because that, that was the natural break and he always plays. I mean, it, it's the Webb Simpson open, uh, right? So right. this would have been five in a row, six in a row. It was basically the Brooks schedule that he was on. And so I, I mean, look, you finish whatever he was T five last week and you're kind of in that. I think he's probably at worst going to be four under or five, probably, probably four under going into the, um, to the to the tour championship the stat the the handicap start uh which is still the best but it's not a, yeah the sacrifice there to be rested I, i'm actually i'm intrigued that somebody like a a dj although dj didn't play Wyndham, so that you know if you play Wyndham and you're one of those top guys it, it kind of makes a little a little bit of sense 
he, he was the kind of, if someone was going to do this and they played Wyndham, he made the most sense. But I mean, this, this top 30 mark, I mean, it's not just East Lake this year. It is, uh, you know, now you're getting into the century tournament of champions. You don't have to win your way in to, to Maui. You can get in by uh, qualifying for the tour championship. You'll also, of course, get into WGC Mexico, the Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open, and all of the bonus. I mean, th- there is even more at stake in the top 30 this year than, than last year. Well, yeah, you know, the people think of the Tour Championship and then uh, you ask the lay golf fan, I guess, is the, the term that I'm looking for. And they'll be like, well, they think of the 15 million. But, you know, everybody gets paid out and, and there's a whole bunch of invitations that get levied because of uh, making the top 30. So there's a handsome reward and, and it, it, pays, it, it pays off. I mean, the Tour Championship is a thing. You know, granted, short field and only 29 guys to beat and it's a handsome prize at the end. But just making it into the field is a big deal. And, 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 and this is not lost on the players because, you know, when they've got to set up a schedule, um, if it, essentially if you're in the top 30, you get into basically anything you want to play. Um, and, and, and that's awesome for guys because then not just the blue chip guys, but someone, let's say, who sneaks their way, way into the top 30, they can go, well, I'm setting up my event around the majors, the World Golf Championships event, the Players' Championship, all this sort of stuff. And then they can pick and choose and really set up what is a, a beneficial type schedule for the next year. And that is something that if you talk to all of the players, they'll always talk about scheduling. And, and when you're in the top 30, it gives you the mandate and the luxury of basically playing wherever you want, whenever you want. Yeah, think about how big this is for guys like, um, let's see here. So Tyler Duncan, number 32, Mark Hubbard, number 34, uh, Sebastian Munoz, he'll be in. He's number 16, so he, he I don't think, can fall out. Lonto Griffin's 15. So these are guys who they won almost a year ago, and so their world ranking is going to fall off to the point that they wouldn't get into the ma- to these majors based on world ranking, but they will because they're, they're going to finish or, or presu- potentially finish inside the top 30. So I think that's who this event – I mean, you look at Tyler Duncan at 32. He's got more to play for this week than anybody, right? Because he won – what do you win, RSM last year? Yep. Gets into the Masters and he's already in the Masters in November. So this would be Masters for next April. I mean, there's a lot at stake for Tyler Duncan over four rounds at Olympia Fields this week. Yeah, he's 87 points out of the 30th spot. So, Greg, Data Golf has, has kind of done a lot of simulations around this and, and projections. There's really like seven spots up for grabs. You know, the guys from 24-ish, so Victor Hovland, he's very likely to make it to East Lake, but he's not a lock. Cam Champ, Cameron Smith, Adam Long, those types of guys. And then the trying to replace them are, yes, the Tyler Duncans of the world, Joaquin Neiman, Matthew Wolf, Mark Hubbard. That's where we're going to see a lot of the, a lot of the change throughout the week. Uh, it's it's going to be those final six or seven spots of the top 30. And it will definitely make it interesting in a non-cut event. So the BMW this week, everybody will play four rounds. And, yeah. uh, and, and it gives you that opportunity where you can, you can almost you can have a bad round and still recoup. And if you can finish strong, um, you, you can get yourself into, into a tour championship, which, as you guys have all alluded to, is huge. And here's the other thing about the tour championship. Um, as, I, as I keep thinking about this, this um, basically staggered start, you have – only so many players to pass. 
So the strokes are really important, but if you are 10 back with four rounds to go, that's a lot different than being 10 back with one round to go or two rounds to go. So you, you really are in the mix uh, as soon as you get into that event. It's really, it, look, it's unlikely because the guys who, are, who have the stroke advantage are, are in all likelihood the guys that are playing the best. But you only have so many players to jump and so many players to pass. And the bonus is you, you, you can take a look at this bonus here. You get inside the top 10. You're, you're almost up to a million dollars. You got to get inside the top eight to reach a million dollars. That's a, that's a huge bonus. As Mark likes to say, I mean, it, it's a handsome reward. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then to that, um, some, a couple of things to consider. One, one I want to bounce off your point there is that last year we saw Justin Thomas come in there. He had the number one spot and he had, what was he, 10 under par or whatever the number is starting. Yep. And, and you all would, would almost think a guy playing that well, that's too big a lead. But you know, you can shoot 72, which is a couple over there at East Lake in the blink of an eye because the place is demanding. And then if you're going well, you can shoot 65 and all of a sudden you see these big swings. But for me, the big deal is with no cuts, I, I saw something last week that sort of blew my mind. You know, I was in the final, uh, final round there at Northern Trust. It's essentially Dustin Johnson's coronation. And, and I'm on the penultimate group, and you're sort of looking for Scotty Scheffler to maybe make a move, but he's not going to catch, catch Dustin. Or stays in the same thing. And they both go bad early. And so I'm, I'm sort of calling recorded shots, and all of a sudden on 16, my producer comes in my ear. Scheffler's locked up his, his, his spot. He's inside the top 30, so he's going to Eastlake. Louis is on the bubble, right? And the, now he's outside. He was like 79th at the time with three holes to go in the tournament for him. My producer goes, if he makes two birdies in his last three, he gets in. And I was like, are you serious? And then he birdies 16, which is awesome. Birdie, uh, pars 17. Then it's a tee shot on 18, and then we get called. There's lightning popping all over the show. It looks like oh, I'm getting all right. And then we're like, oh, goodness, we've got to come back the following morning. And somehow there's a break in the weather. We get back out there. It's dark as rip. A funny story. I don't know if, you've got, if I've told you guys, but, but Louis gets out there. He's got 225 flag. I'll never forget it. So it's about 215 to the front of the green. And he's got a hanging line, a three iron. And he hits an unreal shot. You could, Euro was good. You could see by the swing. We couldn't see where the thing was. Uh, we hear from Jim that the ball's in the middle of the green. Louis looks at me. He goes, did you see that thing? I'm like, no, bro, but I hear it's on the green. So he comes up to me and he goes, good thing. And I'm like, why? And he's got a big grin on that face of his. His nickname is Shrek, you know, because he's got the big teeth and the big smile. Right? So I'm like, no, I didn't. And he goes, well, good thing, because me and Phil, my caddy, went out for the Tom Watson warm-up. They had five minutes to warm-up, okay? And he goes, so I decided I'd, I'd hit a three-iron, which is the club I was going to hit. Because I hit the thing so fat, I covered myself in mud, so I gave up. <laughs> so he does the three iron in warm up, comes there, hits the shot of a lifetime on the green, two putts to get in. But that's what you can see in these playoffs here all of a sudden. Like, here's a guy, over the, you can get busy over the weekend and all of a sudden play your way in because the margins suddenly become so fine at the BMW. So just getting into the 70, look, he's got to pull a rabbit out of a hat. But if you do something special, tripled points and such, there's still a lot to play, play for. And we saw, and I saw a guy moving up 10 spots in three holes with two birdies. It's amazing how it works. And, and Louie making birdie on 18, knocked out. Doc Redman, friend of the pod. Sorry, Doc, 71st. We'll catch you next year. Hate uh, to, to put see a, it. Hate to see it. Did you hear how he finished? Apparently, he made a late double, and then he, bog then he bogeyed 18, I think it was, the par five. Yeah, to miss the cut, right? Mm -hmm. Hate yeah. to see it. 
Uh, young kid, plenty of promise. Uh, to put a bow on the JT stuff from last year, so he goes out, shoots a 70 in the first round, and basically that two-shot lead uh, evaporates immediately from, from round one last year. Uh, let's turn our attention to Olympia Fields, which we have not seen on the PGA Tour since the 2003 U.S. Open. Shout out Jim Furyk. Mark, your case to be made here is... I, I believe it is. This kind of levels the playing field. Everybody, you know, with with everyone essentially with no experience. There's a couple guys who've played some amateur events here, but this kind of levels the playing field a bit. Yeah, it's kudos to Jacob, our producer. You know, I I, I was at that U.S. Open back in 2003, so I'm sort of dating myself because <laughs> one of you guys was just born then or something. I was a I was a, I was a senior in high school. Uh, okay, I was a freshman in high school. <laughs> I think I was in, I was 12, so maybe eighth grade. <laughs> I rest my case. So I'm at this event, and I just remember a U.S. Open, and this is a brawny golf course. The first hole's a 600-plus yard par five. There's two par fives on the place. They're both 600-plus. There's a par three that's 250 yards plus. And then you've got these long, narrow fairways that look like ribbons, and so you better hit it around there. It's, it's a big boy golf course kind of thing. And I was like, I was thinking through this, and I didn't have the data in front of me, but I was like, dang, I think the only guy who's seen this place is Tiger Woods because he played that year. And I, I remember watching him over the weekend. But I see there were some amateurs who played in the USM over there and Charles Howell, Paul Casey, and Adam Scott were in the field. But the point that I guess I'm trying to make is on this big and demanding golf course, everyone is essentially a rookie. And we heard Tiger Woods say as much after his final round. He goes, I've got to get in there and learn the golf course. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen the place since 2003. You know, everything's changed. And so it's going to be a really quick study for these guys coming in there because the U.S. amateur guys, I'm sure the setup will be different for, for them. Yeah. So everyone, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're going to be grafting on the golf course because the one thing that I can remember about the place is that it's, it asks you to hit the golf ball. You know, the greens are, are lots of movement. They're typical sort of U.S. Open style course. And it's all about angles there too. So devising your strategy, um, learning the golf course, learning the greens, the slopes, you know, where you can use slopes and stuff, it's a big deal. And so I think that makes for an intriguing storyline because, yes, if you're Dustin Johnson coming in who looks superhuman right now, eye-popping, you know, you've still got to go and learn the palette on which you get to work. And so I think that's a pretty big deal for all 70 players coming in here this week. So I, I kind of came into this and, and we were asked for our, our BMW picks on Sunday. I was like, I mean, I haven't even finished the Northern Trust. Like, give me a second here. But it, I kind of came in and I want to get y'all's take on this thinking, okay, somebody, somebody like Bryson is going to thrive here because he's just going to be able to kind of overpower the place in a way that, uh, I don't know, Charles Howe Third can't, right? Just off the tee. But the more I read about it and the more you kind of look at who's won here, Furyk, uh, Morikawa had success here. Uh, Maverick McNeely won here in 2015. These guys, these guys are pretty short, right? Like, I mean, r- relative compared to your Bryson's and your John Rahm's. And then you hear DJ on Tuesday talking about you can't even really play out of the rough. You have to be in the fairway. You have to be in the fairway. You have to be in the fairway. And I, I just – I wonder if it doesn't – favor somebody like a Webb Simpson who's no longer in the field, but that is just, is just pounding fairways or Morikawa who's pounding fairways. I, I, I don't know. I tend to, I tend to lean more toward the side of like, if the fairways are that narrow, everybody's going to be in the rough. Um, and so that favors the longer guys, but I've kind of gone back and forth on that. I, I, I don't totally know where I'm landing. 
I've, I've kind of evolved maybe in the other direction, KP. So we'll let maybe Greg can break a tie here for us. Cause we kind of talked about this on, on Monday's pod, Greg, like who, who does this benefit? I, I'm almost feeling like I've come around more on Bryson in the past day and a half than I was on Sunday night when we were asked for our picks. I mean, it's the second, Greg, it's the second longest par four, or I'm sorry, par 70 that we get on the PGA tour outside of like Beth page black. I mean, it's a long course. Now I don't know if it plays that long. I don't know if it matters if you're in the rough or the fairway or all that good stuff, but like I'm actually coming around to the Bryson side of it. I tend to agree with you, uh, especially on a place, a place where you don't know. Now, look, it, driving accuracy is still going to be important. You, especially if what DJ said is true, um, you, you want to be in the fairway, no doubt about it. But distance is always going to be that advantage. And if you're yeah. someone like a, like a Kevin Kisner um, or a, a Webb Simpson and you're going to miss fairways, you're not going to have the opportunity Bryson does. And Bryson's going to be able to get it out of rough. He's going to be able to hit – I mean, I, I think back to the PGA where everybody – the reports, there were a lot of similarities. One, a major championship venue. Two, we hadn't seen a lot of it. And three, the rough was supposed to be really long. And on the sixth hole on Sunday, Tiger, hit, he missed the fairway. And he had, he had a little punch five wood out of the rough from like 218 yards. And he had to use the five wood because of the lie. He couldn't get a long enough iron out of there. So, and it ends up rolling through the green. Well, Bryson on the same hole a couple hours later hits it in the right rough. But he has 138 yards. He hits a pitching wedge. Yeah. He doesn't go at the flag. It lands on the middle of the green and stops pretty much right where it is. So that advantage is huge. And Hearing Dustin say that is interesting, but I feel like we, when we break down golf courses, we uh, underestimate these, especially these long hitters, we underestimate their ability to hit it out of the rough, control it out of the rough. And if the greens are soft, which is the, the report, then the rough becomes less of a, of a nuisance. Even though the rough can get wet, it, it's still, you can get your ball to land on the green and stop on the green. When players have a hard time in the rough, it's typically when it's really fast and they can get it to the green because they always can, but they can't stop it on the green. So that's where I tend to lean towards, uh, towards the longer hitters. That's a yeah, good point. That is a really good point. And I was going to build on that too, saying when you get situations like this, the advantage always goes to the power guy, always. But it becomes more of a second shot endeavor. And so if, if you are playing out of the rough and it's soft enough and you can get balls to stop, then you're okay. But if the place is firm, which is unlikely in the summertime in the Chicagoland area because of summertime storms and such, you know, you can essentially blast the thing anywhere, get some short clubs in your hands and get the ball to stop in areas. But that all still being said, it's been a while, but I do remember humps and hollows and things in the green here. So you, you look at a power guy, like a DJ who hit his irons phenomenally last week. I mean, the, the nine holes I got to watch him, I was more impressed by the iron striking. I mean, he hit two irons into number 12 last week. That is a good size par four. It's 500 plus down a hill, nothing but peril down the left side of the green, big bunker right. And he's fizzed six irons in there to a collective four or five feet or whatever it was. And these, the one drew and the one cut. So I'm looking at this going, this dude has got the golf swing on go right now. So, so, in this power situation with what I remember of the greens, I still think you'll really have to be sharp with the irons, but if it's soft, that sort of mitigates that. Uh, so two DJ quotes from his, from his presser on what's today, Tuesday, he said, he was talking about Wingfoot actually. And he said, uh, have you, the question was, have you heard anything about it? He said, it's good, hard. Those are the courses that I like the harder, the better. All my wins come on the hardest golf courses I've ever played. It's a good quote. 
And then um, he said about Olympia Fields, I just lost it. 22, oh, it uh, tw- 22 wins on the hardest golf course you've ever seen. That's, that's impressive. 22 hardest golf courses you've ever seen. <laughs> he's won, Well, yeah, he's won everyone. And, and one major. Uh, okay, so it says – An argument where you played. <laughs> yes. Uh, the most important thing is get it in the fairway. It doesn't really matter what you hit off the tee. You've got to make sure you're comfortable with what you're hitting and you're going to hit the fairway because the only way to attack this golf course is out of the fairway. The greens are firm and fast. They've got a lot of slope on them. Mark was talking about that. So you really need to be able to control the golf ball coming into them. That's pretty interesting. And I, I just I wonder if, they're, if, the, if the fairways are too narrow, again, that, that gives the advantage back to the, to the big hitters. Um, but if they're just narrow enough to where your Kisners and your Morikawas are pounding them, then I, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm interested to see how firm they are. To hear DJ say that, that they're firm and fast. On Tuesday. On Tuesday. That's, That's sweet. Can, I, mean, I love it. it. It's fascinating. It kind he of changes shoots, my mind. If he shoots 30 under this week, it's going, to be the great, <laughs> it's going to be the greatest performance in golf history. Yes, the thing about tournaments this time of the year on the tour. One big rainstorm, and it changes that in the blink of an eye. Yeah, that's true. I saw that last week. You're playing on bent fairways, bent greens, and so the ball starts running out. I remember I sort of had my rant at the memorial where people were like, well, Tiger's only swinging at 110 mile an hour. I'm like, because the ball's rolling 50 yards in the fairway. It doesn't have to go any farther. But the, the thing about these rainstorms that can be firm now, you get two nights worth of rain, one afternoon's worth of rain, and that sort of stuff changes. So, so, so I, I'm keen to see how it works through the week. But I'm glad he said that about the irons because you have to hit quality irons if you want to score. Speaking of Tiger, Greg, he's going back-to-back. This is only going to be his seventh start of the season, and he's got work to do. You know, the, the projections are essentially – Sixth or better, maybe fifth, depending on how this all shakes out. But whatever it is, he's going to have to play well with the kind of caveat of like, if he wants to make it to the tour championship, right? Like, I don't know if he's using this as a warm up if he cares, but uh, the st- there are going to be plenty of storylines around Tiger Woods this week. Well, you know, one thing, you know, he wants to win this week. And it's always a funny thing if he wants to, if he wants to win. But there is a real question if, if you're not going to win, if you're in a situation where DJ is running away with it, do you want to get yourself into the tour championship? I imagine he would, but he's the one guy that you may say, okay, uh, two weeks off is better for me than one. So I, I'm interested to see, but I don't, I, I think Tiger's pretty much redlining it every time he's on the golf course. So um, yeah. it's just fun to kind of speculate. Is it good for Tiger to play? Is it good for him to get in or is it not? You know, he wants to. Um, I think it's kind of unfair to say he might not want to. Correct. I think that's us as analysts kind of overthinking it. I, I now, think, I said, think, yeah, let me, this let me is just, really interesting. Sorry. Let me just clarify that. Cause I think you're absolutely right. Greg. He, he's trying to win every single golf tournament he plays. I just think that when you look at it from a bigger picture, we know around his health, like, could you make the case that if he just plays well this week, takes the week off, it might set him up better for winged foot. Like you could make that case, but no, I completely agree. He is out there to win golf tournaments. The, the one thing I'll say is Eastlake is a place where he's played really well. And if he can gain some confidence there, and he'll obviously have gained confidence if he gets to Eastlake, but he's played really well at Eastlake. So I, I do think um, there's an advantage to getting there aside from, you know, he can continue some play. And 
this is kind of why it's the story of, of the week for me. It, he hasn't, we haven't seen him play more than a spot tournament here, a spot tournament there, and it's a coin flip whether he's going to play well or not. But now we're starting to see uh, some trends, and Tiger can find some patterns and maybe play with the same putter for uh, the second tournament in a row. So, <laughs> that, you know, looking at if you can build on something, then it, it bodes really well for you heading into a major championship. And his major championship opportunities are dwindling. I mean, he's 44 now, and he lost three majors this year uh, in this season. I know they're going to get, you know, two of them are going to get made up, but still, losing an opportunity like that is not a great thing for him. So uh, I'm really interested to see if he can put four rounds together. I'm interested to see if he can gain some momentum. I feel like in all of his rounds, he's um, since, since we've seen him at basically at the memorial. We've seen Tiger get a, a couple, maybe make a couple birdies, and then there's a bogey that, that hinders him. Or he plays a really good round on Thursday, and then Friday, uh, not so much, and he plays himself right out of the tournament. And so he's had this kind of hit or miss week um, every time he's played, and I'm hoping to see Tiger come up with four consistent rounds where we see the kind of ball striking we did on Sunday last week where he's giving himself birdie looks throughout the entirety of a round. You know what, Greg, that's a really good point. And I was looking for some trends too. In fact, I did this yesterday on the trip back from uh, Boston. And the one thing I noticed, the last two events he's played, final round of the PGA shoots 67. Final round last week in Boston shoots 66. And that sort of makes, it sort of halfway proves the point that I've been making that there's something to be said for competition. You know, there's something to be said for the thoroughbred who's used to running in the race where you get out the gates and you get jostled around the place some and you get squeezed onto the rail or whatever, and you find a way to navigate your, your way through the mess uh, to the front of the pack. Now, when you've just been practicing on the range and at home, you're not used to that sort of stuff. I don't care how many bad, worst balls you play with your buddies or whatever the case might be. So, <laughs> no, really, think about this. So, here's a guy who has gotten progressively better and finished with a bang in the last two events. Now, he's coming off that 66. Everything was going in the right direction. Oh, by the way, he made Rory McIlroy look tremendously average in the final round there, which is, I don't, I don't care who you are, even Tiger Woods, that's a little feather in the cap. And now he's coming off 66, and I think now he's like, okay, I've got that tournament flow that he talks about, that rhythm. You know, he, he's got the sense for, you know, bobs and weaves and ebbs and flows and this sort of deal. So I feel like it's boding well for Tiger Woods for Chicago this week. Mark, I think you and Trevor could uh, worse ball make Rory look bad right now. We'll talk about that in a <laughs> well, second. That's um, <laughs> good. I want to bring up the point that so Tiger withdraws from the 2017 Dubai Desert Classic. I think he played round one with Matthew Fitzpatrick. He withdraws before round two, bat, the back, that whole deal. Um, so that, that's 2017. That's, uh, what is that, uh, 40 months ago, 42 months ago? What if I would have told you that night that he was going to be the defending – he was going to defend his title at a November Masters in 2020? What would you have said at a November Masters? What would have been more surprising, Tiger winning or um, there being a November Masters? The yeah, November what, Masters. Yeah, yeah. What, would we, what would we have assumed that happened in November? Like a flooding in the area, like, you know, like Greenbrier or whatever a couple of years ago? Yeah, that, that, is, that is crazier to think. November it's Masters it's insane. Day. It's so weird that, that that part of it is crazier than Tiger um, having, having won it again. 
the 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 bottom was really low for tiger it oh. was uh, i just uh, yeah just, trying to think kept, back to it kept days. going lower it yeah. just kept going down yeah um his playing partner i, I like to think about when when we kind of first start. no go, yeah, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead no no go ahead hit us with it this is gonna be a great take all right, all right. I'll, I'll finish i'll finish <laughs> in so in in january of this year when when this gang got together we uh we start, we were talking about you're in uh, a lot of gangs. <laughs> I know every yeah, every I'm episode an, he talks about guy. a gang he's in. <laughs> okay, that that's now two. So yeah, that's pretty close to everyone. Ever since we started, um, we did the the way too early major championship recap, and we now know why it's way too early. Because imagine if one of us, like imagine if I came on the first time with you guys, and and the, my take was. Well, I think the majors are all going to get moved in the schedule, and you're <laughs> you're going to have a yeah. like uh, who hired this I, I like this Xander guy? at a at a U.S. Open in September, and I like Tiger at a Masters in November. Uh, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, we'd have been like, uh, we need to get rid of this guy. This is <laughs> yeah. not good. He's still on probation, right? Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about. Tiger's playing partner from the weekend, Rory McIlroy. Kyle, this is your storyline. I mean, Mark alludes to, uh, he mentioned it, R- Rory hasn't looked good. He hasn't looked good in the restart. We're trying to figure out why. He gave us a few nuggets on what might be different for him since golf has returned. Yeah, so some caveats here. Rory's graded on a different scale. I think everybody knows that. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's a different deal. He's gaining over two strokes uh, this season. For any, for pretty much anybody, that's a career year. And for him, we're like, ah, I don't, I don't know. Let's, let's see. But since the restart, uh, he hasn't been great. No top tens, only one top thirty, and it's been a little bit of everything. At first, I was kind of leaning more toward his iron play, which was not sharp at, uh, I think RBC Heritage. Uh, it definitely wasn't sharp at Memorial. Uh, there were a couple places where you're like, ah, just it looks. It, it, it went back to the old narrative about like his wedge play not being that good, but of late it's kind of been driver, right? Like if, if his season ended today, this would be his worst strokes gain driving season uh, since I think 2013 and his second worst ever on the PGA tour. And that, that was an equipment. He changed equipment in 13. So that was kind go. of a, an odd year for him. Yeah. Mark, so, Mark is, Mark is lurking with a strokes gained off the T take. I can feel it. That's fine. So <laughs> he said on Sunday, he was like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to hit some drivers. And the, I wasn't there. I didn't hear it. The way he said it made it seem like he was kind of thinking about changing some stuff with his driver. I, I don't know. Like, that, that was kind of the way that it was framed. So, I don't know. We'll probably hear from him on, well, what is it, Tuesday, probably Wednesday, about kind of what's going on there. But that's the part where you're like, okay, he might be the greatest driver of all time. If that dips a little bit, that can affect, you know, the way you finish at, at some of these events. Uh, you're right. He, he said he was going to try and work in a more a driver that spun the ball a little bit more because his comment was um, that the good ones are off the charts good and the bad ones are just wide. I mean, we saw him hit some really wide balls off the tee last week at the Northern Trust. But did you guys watch him on and around the greens? It, it was downright depressing and, and and i'm a fan of this guy i mean he's he's one of these virtuoso type talents i mean it it looked to me that every putty was over he started holding the putter tighter and tighter and tighter and there was like i've got to make this five foot type thing and so there were some putts 
that weren't even glancing the edge of the hole. And it wasn't like these putts were hard or anything. I was watching him miss six, seven feet up the hill and miss the hole significantly. Now, uh, you can chalk that up to some misreading of greens. I, I, I'm gonna, I'll concede all of that. Yeah, the driver's a problem. But you know what? As, to me, as Rory putts, is as Rory scores. And even when he drives the ball badly, it's still pretty good. But the putting right now is not going to cut it. It's just, I don't care how you gloss over this sort of thing. The, the weakness right now is around the greens, in my opinion. Uh, yes, he was really bad around the greens. And on, I mean, it's, some of his, his, uh, his chipping was just, it was, I mean, he hit a ball backwards into the water. There, there was a lot going on there. But I, I think for him, with some of that stuff, and, and this is something that I think DJ runs into as well, and it's, it's a little different with Rory because I think, it's a, I think it's a focus issue. I think it's a he loves to shoot 64 on Thursday, get out in front, and it's game on. And when he doesn't, and you've got three rounds left, and there's no fans out there, it's like – okay what what are we doing like what, what's you know yeah i mean you watched it with tiger it's it was it was morose i mean it was brutal to watch and so i i yes you're right like the putting and the and the around the green stuff was not good and maybe it wouldn't be good even if there was fans even if he was focused but i i just i and he said it after his round he's like i can't I, i'm going through the motions i can't get motivated it's different uh, obviously when you're in contention so I chalk a little bit of that up to just kind of being mentally out of it. I, I noticed with Rory for the year, he tends to struggle in that four to eight foot range. And as a player, when you struggle in that range, the hole can start to look really small. And it can be, you can feel, it can put pressure on the rest of your game. You can feel like you have to drive it perfectly. Like you got to hold it from the fairway because you almost can't hit it close enough to, to make a birdie on a, on a par four. And so that, I, I feel like that puts a lot of pressure on his game and we see it on Sundays even if Rory's playing well and contends there are a number of cases um, where Rory misses a, a putt early that's kind of in that it's not a gimme territory but it's the I, I should make this that I should make this range and if he misses those the rest of the round has a tendency of going sideways the the biggest one I remember is um, 2018 Masters he had a four footer on number two for birdie he missed it uh, Patrick Reed went on to win and the rest of Rory's day wasn't great. So Rory being, and, and the, the, uh, the fans may have, a, uh, may play a role in this because Rory is a momentum t uh, style player there. And some of the factors in gaining momentum are, well, you got to make the putt. You got to, you got to score. You got to finish the job uh, on each hole. And then, and two, the crowd reacts to that. So maybe, maybe it's kind of a double-edged sword there, but I'm, I'm with you, Mark. I, I think the putting really is where this all starts. Well, just one more point quickly to that, and I guess this is the golf coach instructor in the both of us talking. You know, as a coach, when you're coaching a player or teaching a player or whatever, you know, there's always something, the part of the examination, you want the guy just to get by. And when I'm watching Rory, and I've seen him play the last few weeks when it hasn't been that good, I'm not standing watching him hit a tee shot going, oh my goodness, please just get this one into play. But when he's on the green from inside 10 feet, I'm like, oh, Lord. And then when he's got three or four feet, I'm like, just please somehow rattle this thing into the hole. So there's that, that, that concern that even I'm feeling, and I don't have my hands on the rubber end of the golf club. He is, bless you, Kyle, he is 188th on tour on putts from four to eight feet. 
that is is that good not, or bad that is not gonna <laughs> cut it for anybody let alone if your name is rory McElroy. all right gentlemen we are going to do matchups we'll do best bets expert picks but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. And we're back. Matchup time. Mark and Kyle going head-to-head four matchup belts apiece. Congratulations, gentlemen. Uh, I've got a bunch of matchups here. Producer Jacob working hard for us. Let's jump into these. Our first matchup, Patrick Cantlay versus Tiger Woods. Greg, I'll start with you. Who do you like here? My heart says Tiger my head says Cantlay. I, I think can't, I think the world of Patrick Cantlay. I, I think he's just more likely to have a have a really solid week. I'm going to reluctantly go Patrick Cantlay. I'm going to excitedly take Tiger Woods, who had that look about him on Sunday. Let's see if he can carry it over this week. Mark Immelman. I spoke with Jamie Mulligan on Sunday morning in the hotel in uh, Providence, and he had stayed in town with Cantlay to work on the game. Cantlay had uh, missed the cut, obviously. But still, I'm going Tiger Woods. Yeah. I was hoping you were going to say, I was talking to Tiger Woods at the hotel. Uh, Kyle, can't lay your Tiger. I'll go, I'll go Tiger. Can't lay was uninspiring last week. And, and Tiger, it, you know, he just has to get a hot putter. That's it. All right. We'll stay here with you, Kyle. Dustin Johnson, Mr. 30 under par, or Justin Thomas. DJ, pretty significant favorite here. Yeah, I've got JT. Um I think one of my favorite points that you've ever made, Rick, maybe, maybe, maybe my favorite is about how golf's the only sport where we penalize you for being just outlandishly good the week before or the month before. And I still, I'm going to continue to do it for <laughs> reasons that may or may not be statistically accurate. I'll get JT to, uh, to defend his title here, not to win, but to beat Dustin Johnson. I will also take JT for the same reasons. Mark. I saw an incredible statistic last week, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but I'm going to try nonetheless. One of our researchers, M.K. Ruddenberry, she let us know that Dustin's score on the front nine at the Northern Trust only was enough to win the tournament. Okay, (laughs) didn't even need to play the backside, and he was far enough under par to still win. I'm going Dustin. The guy's guy's off the charts right now. That's wild. Greg, you're up. Uh, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm with you guys here. We, we penalize the guys that win the week before. And look, there is some logic to it. When you're talking about players of this caliber, we're looking, it, there's a pretty good chance that one of these two guys wins the tournament. They are definitely favorites in winning. And how often does a guy win back-to-back weeks, especially in the playoffs? I know it's happened before. It doesn't happen a lot. 
So uh, I'm definitely going to go with JT because I think that highly of JT, not because I think, you know, look, DJ is clearly playing well, but if you're, when you start a new tournament and it, the game doesn't seem quite as easy as it seemed to him last week, all of a sudden it can get frustrating. And um, so I just have some mild concerns with DJ, even though, you know, he can definitely prove me wrong. I'm going to go with JT here. Lone Wolf, baby. <laughs> Bryson versus Webb. Webb's out. We're all taking Bryson. There's a freebie. Rory McIlroy versus Colin Morikawa. Kyle, who would you like? I'm always terrified when, when uh, Mark does the, the <laughs> thing. Um, it feels like I'm being sucker bed into, into Morikawa but I'm going to do it anyway. Mark. I'm a believer. Uh, I, this is, this is my heart talking. I, you know me, I've got high respect for Morikawa. I've been telling you guys since this podcast basically began with a group of us, but I'm going with Rory. I, I, I think there's, there's just been in to find something. I, I agree with you. I am a sucker for Rory. I'll take Rory. Greg, you're up. Last time Colin Morikawa missed a cut on the PGA tour. That was his first. Um, he won his next start. Yes. So I'm going to go Colin Morikawa here. Uh, uh, I don't have stat. confidence in Rory's putter. Nugget. That is a good nugget. Uh, Xander Shoffley versus John Rahm. Mark, we'll start with you. Woo, this is a hard one. We've seen this matchup before, haven't we? And I got it wildly wrong. Uh, but I'm still going to go with John Rahm. I think they do often get, get paired together. I'll take Xander. He's got a higher floor at the moment. Uh, Kyle, we'll go to you. I think I, – I, I know I said the thing off the top about being in the fairway, but I, I just I – think, I think Rom is going to drive it unbelievably this week, and I think he's going to – he just has complete control over his driver right now. I'm going to go with John Rom. Greg? I'm going to go with John Rom as well. Uh, I, I agree with what Kyle's saying. We'll talk about that later on, maybe. Spoiler alert. Um, mm. But I also think that he's playing better. He's trending in the right direction, as well as Xander's playing. I, I think the last two weeks for John Rahm, tied 13th uh, and tied 6th, he's trending in the right direction. I'm going to go with Rahm. All right, we'll go rapid fire the rest of the way. Greg, we'll stay with you for Jason Day, minus 120, versus Tony Finau, minus 105. Both missed the cut last week. Who you got? Tony Finau. He's going to have a great week. Mark. Uh, hold on, I was paying attention to somebody else. Forgive me. Let's do that one again. What are we? Tony Finau versus Jason Day. Uh, you know what? I was high on Jason Day a little while back, but I'm going with Finau. I'll also take Finau, Kyle. I, I have to take Day. That's the lone wolf. Woo! What, what is it? <laughs> Victor Hovland minus one twenty over Kevin Kisner, who's scorching at the moment. I'll take Kisner. Kyle, you'll take Kisner. Greg. Hovland. Ooh, Mark. Scorching. I was on Victor Hovland on the pregame show on Sunday, and the dude was like eight under par three, 11 holes. He's pretty hot right now. I'm going Hovland. That is true. Kisner's been uh, better for the last couple weeks. Uh, Hovland was unconscious for this first however many holes that was. Uh, Patrick Reed, minus 125 versus Scotty Scheffler. Speaking of guys who are playing well, I'll take Scotty Scheffler. Mark, you'll take. Patrick Reed. Greg. Scheffler. Kyle. It feels like another sucker bet, but I'm going to be suckered into it. Scotty Scheffler. Okay. Uh, it does have that feel, man. That's a tough one. Adam Scott versus Matthew Wolf. If you'd like to, I don't know if you'll be a lone wolf here. Uh, I'll take, I'll take Matthew Wolf. Greg, you'll take. I'll take Matthew Wolf as well. I'm not going to howl, but I'm going wolf. 
I know where Kyle's going. Maybe. Yep. One here in college. Go Pokes. Matthew Wolf. Mark, you have a chance to be a lone wolf against Wolf. Doing it. Adam. Adam Scott. There it is. Uh, Daniel Berger, the best player in the restart versus Harris English, maybe the second best player in the restart. I'll take Daniel Berger. Mark, you're up. Just because of his confidence, Berger. Greg. Man, they're both awfully confident. I think it was – ah, man, it's a hard one. I'm going to go Berger. Kyle. Greg, do you know how many uh, – rounds Daniel Berger has had since the third round of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am in which he's lost strokes to the field? Uh, I think it's, it's, it's one or zero. Two. Oh, two. Both, at the, both at the Memorial where he missed the cut. I'll go Daniel Berger. Dang, there it is. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen, number 70 in the field at minus 120 versus Matthew Fitzpatrick. Mark, we'll start with you. Gotta go with my boy, Louis. I'll also take your boy, Louis. Greg. Uh, I'm interested in what DJ said about firm and fast greens. I'm going to take a chance with uh, Fitzpatrick here. KP? I'll take the UPS man and the FedEx Cup. I'll go with with Louie. You're so (laughs) anti-establishment. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Final one here. Terrell Hatton versus Paul Casey. Uh, Casey tweeted out that he's running on fumes. I, I I don't back guys who tweet out that they're running on fumes. So I'll take Terrell Hatton. Kyle? Yeah, I'm, I'm Haddon. He's had an awesome year. Really, really great season. I, I hope it ends well for him. Mark, is Casey pulling a fast one on us, or is he actually tired? Uh, he's probably tired. Look, he's, <laughs> he's in his 40s. I'll, I, I want to say Haddon, but I just want you to pronounce that last name for me one more time, Greg. Eric. Terrell Hatton? Hatton. Hatton. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Greg, you're up. Hatton. There it is. A clean sweep. sweep. All right, gentlemen, time for expert picks. We will start with sleepers. Greg, ooh, this is a very interesting one, and I like it. Who's your sleeper? Cam Champ. Uh, So Cam Champ at at 70 to 1. With these sleepers, I I like to look for guys who have some win equity. And if the tide falls where guys with the distance have the advantage, I believe that it will. I think Cam Champ is really, although last week didn't go very well for him, I think he's playing pretty well, and I think he's maturing as a player. I think there are more courses that suit his game. I think he's definitely got some win equity, so I'm going to take a shot with Cam Champ. Uh, Okay, Kyle, I need more time to get this stat ready, so we'll go to you for your sleeper. Yeah, my sleeper's Alex Noren. Um, I'm not in love with it. He was 70 to 1. So the thing that I was thinking with him, he's got three top 10s in his last four starts. He's also got a T22 at the PGA. He's awesome around the greens and on the greens. Like his short game's really, really good. And so I, my thinking there was like these, these greens are really complicated. I mean, they're going to be more, maybe the most complicated greens these guys have seen since the restart. And I, I, I'm wondering how that plays into his hands this week. So I'll, I'll go with Alex Norton at 70. Okay. I'm going to take Ryan Palmer also at 70 to one. If you remember when he missed the cut at the workday charity open, he went home, got that emergency swing lesson. He found a putter. He hadn't touched since college. He changed everything since then. Fifth best strokes gain number on tour behind only John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Harris English, Daniel Berger. It has been a great run for Ryan Palmer. I think he continues it this week. Mark, your sleeper. Uh, well, you know me, guys. I didn't get to look at the rundown, so I wasn't really prepared for this. I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I, I was thinking Harris English. But honestly, right now, I'm kind of going towards Brendan Todd. Is he a sleeper? Uh, I would yeah. say Brendan Todd is. Right, yeah. give, 
Oh, Give yeah. Me Harris, Todd. maybe not. Yeah, I'll, I'll have Brendan Todd. Uh, top 10. I'm going with the Wolfman, Matthew Wolf. I think his game obviously sets up well here. I like the fact that there's not a lot of experience, but the experience that Wolf does have is winning experience. So he's my top 10. You can get that at three to one. Greg, your top 10 is? Uh, Dustin Johnson. I mean, is there nobody playing better in the world right now? I think it's going to be a really strong week for him. Kyle. Uh, straight vibing. <laughs> Daniel Berger, for those of you who don't know. Uh, and Mark, your top 10. How can Justin Thomas be 12 to 1 for a top 10? He's not. He's 12 He's not. to 1 to win. <laughs> I'm paid with Justin Thomas. You, we, would be, we, would be, we would not be on this podcast. We would be on the internet betting large sums of money. If yeah. that was. We'd, we'd be seeing how much uh, cash we could get handy and get to Vegas in time. <laughs> uh, so uh, Justin Thomas is plus 130 to finish in the top 10. Pick to win. Mark, we'll stay with you. Your pick to win is... After watching this guy play for four rounds, I've still got my eyeballs on stalks. I mean, I, I've yet to come down from what was a biblical experience. So you can talk about Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Dustin right now. <laughs> no, it's, it was the most incredible golf I've ever got to see with my own two eyes, Johnson. I think that's how the Council of Nicaea voted in 200 <laughs> AD was the, the book of DJ. What You had your eyeballs on what? On stalks. What What's that? that? Stalk. S-T-A-L-K. Is my accent that bad? But what? Uh, but I, I don't. Even, I know that word. But like, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm standing out of my head, like a oh, like like. Oh, okay. Like, like what? That. Uh, uh, the the mask. You. What's the character Jim Carrey played? You know, when his eyes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When he puts the mask on. I didn't know what a what a stalk was. I mean, it, I. Well, I didn't know if he meant like straight out or like up. Like he needed to see higher, or I don't know. I didn't understand. Okay, forgive me. I'm also holding my thumbs. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, KP, you're picked to win. Uh, John Rahm. I, I think that, you know, this, this course would fit in nicely with his Muirfield Village win. Uh, he played great at the end of last week. Kind of like somebody referenced this on HQ today, kind of like he did at Word Day Charity before winning Muirfield. Um, so, yeah, I got him this week. Uh, Greg, I believe you like that as well. Yeah, I do. And that's exactly – well, there are two points you made, Kyle, that I completely agree with. One, uh, the 60 – I think it was 64 or 65 on Sunday. It definitely reminds me of, of work day. And then also Olympia Fields, from the sounds of it, it could have a little bit of Muirfield Village in it with some tricky, complicated greens, as you said, uh, which I, I, I love that description. I can't wait to see it. Um, I think John Rahm short game's in really good shape yeah. ever, since, ever since Memorial. But most importantly – I think his driving of the golf ball is going to be the separator. He was first last week, strokes gain off the tee. So um, I, I think that bodes really well. And he's kind of quiet for a guy that just finished tied sixth, uh, yeah. tied 13th the week before that. He's, he's on a really good run. And at FedEx, you know, um, in Memphis, he finished tied 52nd. But that's like the one thing that has kind of taken everybody. And we've all kind of forgotten about John Rahm because of one tournament. He's still playing great. So I, I think John Rahm right now. Yeah, I was a sneaky backdoor top 10. Um, I've convinced myself about Bryson. Uh, I, I really like JT. This is the same thing that happened last week where I think in a vacuum, JT is the guy. I liked the value of 20 to 1 on Dustin Johnson, so I made him my pick. That worked out. I'm going to do the same thing this week. I think 14 to 1 on Bryson is too good to pass up, so I'll take that. One and done. Early leans. Uh, I still have straight vibing. I, I, still got, I still got Daniel Berger. So, so do I. I think – oh, well – I'm going to play him. I've got, <laughs> I've got DJ, Vibin, 
Cantlay, Xander, and Morikawa, and Tiger. I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I think we're so far behind Greg, we have to play somebody kind of off the board to be able to catch up. Unless Crooked Jacob, I don't know what he's doing with the, <laughs> with the way this is going to play out. What, are we ending it next week? What, what's the deal, Jacob? We're ending it next week. You are able to wager as many points, points as you would like, and uh, that will determine the final standings. And for the remainder of the fall series, each week we'll do draft style. So whoever whoever comes in first. Oh, oh, that's good. That's a new league, right? This is a new league. We'll be a complete so, restart. So, so for the remainder of the, you know, from the Safeway until. Uh, December, whoever whoever comes in first at the end of this season will get their first pick every week. Oh, okay. So that's I like that. new so, format I made up just because of COVID times. It's totally different. Then once we get to the true spring, starting with Tournament of Champions, it'll go to typical. Anyone can go. Anyone can pick whoever they want. There might be some overlap. If if I wager my two and a half million points next week, how do I – like get them back like how, how does it determine how many i get back uh Je- jeopardy rules so i either double it or not but based right. on what like i was right what what like oh sh- you know what i mean we're working we'll on things about that. all right so we'll it sounds it like it's <laughs> listen it sounds like we need to get steve sands involved <laughs> uh either way kyle you've got a lot of guys left are you going what, what's your what's your lean here uh, I kind of like more. Uh, yeah, more kawa or burger, but I don't want to do the same thing as you. So, yeah, I, so I don't know. Take more kawa. I'll take. Okay. I'll take burger. Okay, Mark, will, will you? Would you like to reveal your uh, strategy for this week? Uh, in the interest of trying to chase down Greg, I'm going to tell you I'm going for Tiger Woods. Nice. I love it. Uh, Greg, you are in the pole position, my friend. How will you deal with this? Well, as much as I want to, just kind of. Uh, take Tiger and kind of jam the door <laughs> for Mark. I still have DJ, and I, I'm not sure. I, I, I ha, I'm going to play DJ here. Because, look, here's the thing. How am I going to go a whole year without playing DJ? I, I wish I did it last week. I wish hey, I switched. Well, who are you, who are you playing next week? I got, I mean, I got some uh, – it depends on what's at stake has- here. He got bullets. I got to see what the rankings are. I got Rory. Yeah, there's a, lot probably, of, there's a lot of strategy here because yeah. – you're, you're, it's going to be interesting because you and Mark are both going to try to play Rory next week and you have a lot more points than him. So it's going to come down to if we can all figure out how Jeopardy works. <laughs> right. Because yeah, Jeopardy, so, there's, there's, there's two answers. You either get it right or you don't. So we have to figure out what that would be if we're wagering it. All right. So you're going to take, so we don't, we don't know what you're going to do. Maybe DJ. We'll find yeah, out. Yeah, I'm definitely on. leaning towards DJ. I would say uh, I, I can give you a hint. It's already submitted. Yeah, you can slam the door, boss. Yeah, you could. Uh, all right, Greg, we'll stay with you for the best bet because I see you have a top 20 bet in the outline. Would you like to describe it for us? It's Victor Hovland. And, and Victor Hovland for a top 20, I think it's a sure thing. He just hits it so well. And when Victor Hovland starts driving the ball really well, he's really hard to beat. And so I think he's going to give himself a ton of opportunities because of his play off the tee. My one concern, and the reason why I don't go to a top 10 or a top five or even a pick to win is because of the greens. And if you have some, some tricky greens, as, it's, as it sounds like they're going to be, 
uh, I don't necessarily like that for Hovland. But I think his ball striking tee to green is going to be enough to get him inside the top 20. And I think he probably does better than that. It's just a little safer going top 20. Top 20 in a field of 69 is also what I went with, minus Kevin Streelman, because he plays golf the way I would love to. Ball strike and pop up from time to time like we've seen. Uh, Mark, have you had an opportunity to gather a best bet for us? Yeah, Louis Lowe, South African. There it is. Who else is in the field? <laughs> He's the only South African. Oh, okay. I, I was trying to figure it out who was in my head. That's, uh, that's unbelievable. <laughs> hey, no, I'm going to go with Justin Thomas uh, in the top 10. I think those odds are great. And... It's a short field sort of golf course that suits him. I think JT inside the top 10 is almost a lock. He loves a good no-cut event as well. KP, take us home. Him and Xander are the no-cut kings. Uh, I've got Scotty Scheffler top 20 plus 110. Uh, I just I love the way he's playing. He's one of the 12 best drivers on tour, 15 best drivers. I, I, think, I think he's going to, again, shine at this course. There it is, BMW Championship, the penultimate event of the PGA Tour season. For more First Cut content, you can visit us at First Cut Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Those links are in the episode description. Thank you to Greg Ducharme, who you can find on Twitter at The Real GFD. Thank you to Kyle Porter, who you can find at Kyle Porter CBS. Thank you to Mark Immelman, who you can find at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been the First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.